Tonight's program is brought to you by CBD Pure Hemp Oil, the most powerful and beneficial hemp extract available. It contains cannabidiol, which promotes a healthy state of mind and general well-being. Cannabidiol is an important dietary component for promoting health and wellness. It also helps promote and restore balance to the endocannabinoid system. It's legal in all 50 states. Discover when men, women, and children use CBD Pure Hemp Oil Extract. Go to the Veritas store and click on the link. We have negotiated a 15% discount in your entire order. Just make sure that you use the code VERITAS15. CBD Pure Hip Oil, the newest product in our Veritas store. I tried it, and I hope you do too. The questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. In July 1996, during an extraordinary out-of-body journey through the Milky Way and other galaxies, Patricia Corey was reconnected and attuned to a group of interdimensional light beings that she had and her many readers came to know through the first Syrian Revelations transmissions as the Syrian High Council. During her remarkable mission as their scribe, she has shared the insights of six-dimensional Syrian light emissaries through the books and teachings that have transformed readers over the past decades. Now, 20 years from the date of the first transmission, Corey shares new revelations that affirm the veracity of past prophecies and transmit new visions for the human race as we ascend through the outer reaches of the fourth dimension into new levels of conscious awareness and parallel realities as we prepare for our imminent emergence. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas at Veritas Radio. If you want to listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. I always love to hear from you. Tonight's guest is Patricia Corey, an author, metaphysician, a renowned teacher, and spiritual guide to the secret size of the earth. For more than 30 years, she has studied mysticism, philosophy, ancient civilizations, metaphysical healing, and spirituality. She has been recognized as a gifted shaman by indigenous spirit teachers of the Tibetan, Mayan, and Peruvian traditions. She established Soul Quest Journeys in 1996, guiding travelers through sacred sites in Nepal, Tibet, Asia, Mexico, Egypt, Europe, and Peru, and to the crop circles of England. Patricia is the author of The Syrian Revelations and host of Beyond the Matrix on bbsradio.com. Patricia's new book is titled The New Syrian Revelations, Galactic Prophecies for the Ascending Human Collective, which will be the focus of tonight's discussion. Her website is patriciacory.com, and she joins us directly from the Azores Islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Hello, Patricia, and welcome back to Veritas. How are you? Oh, it's nice to be back. Thank you, Mel. Now, for those, Patricia, who may not be familiar with your work, and I know there's probably a few only, give us a quick recap of the transmissions you received back in 1996 before we begin with the new transmissions. 
Well, a recap of all those books. I mean, this is the 14th book, so it would take more than the time we have here. But I could maybe just quickly uh, describe the preliminary or primary themes of those works. Sure. Um, The first book was entitled The Cosmos of Soul, A Wake-Up Call for Humanity. And in that book, 20 years ago, we were presented with the what now is common, let's say, common fodder for conspiracy theorists, theorists and uh, surpassed, in fact. But at that time, the information was pretty revolutionary. We were we were told about um, what was coming in the next 20 years. I mean, they didn't verbalize it that way, but what laid out for us was a depiction of the multiverse, a multidimensional consciousness that few people were really contemplating then, and several, let's say, warnings and uh, descriptions of the process we were going to have to go through in these years of transition. Um, And that has been the theme for the material all through these years as we evolve, so has the material evolved to a point where the council feel that as we evolve in our understanding, they're able to give us more. And uh, and not to be wordy, but I just want to add the second book, Atlantis Rising, described in great detail how the ins- the ascension process was a process of our sun, not our planet, and not only not only our planet, not only we as individuals, but the actually our sun is progressing into a state of ascending out of the third dimension into the fourth. So that has been very exciting information, which becomes more elaborated now in the new book and still is still revolutionary. A lot of people don't understand the ascension that we're talking about to include the entire solar system. So that's pretty exciting. How was the world because I'm refreshing my memory by, by looking at, at the other books, too. Back in 1996, we, we know, you know we had President Clinton reelected. He had the Martian rock. We discussed that. We had Dolly the sheep and many other things. How was the world in 96 in comparison to what you see today in 2018? Oh, my. We were still so innocent then. We, we didn't understand the... Let's say that the forces that were choking the planet into submission at that time were still very subverted, and we most people didn't get it at all. We had a facade that was starting to unravel, but still so many people were asleep, and there was so little information available. I mean, look at then the the, f- the first information we had about cloning was Dolly, the um, the you. And here we are in 2018, and we've got all manner of conspiracy theories about human cloning banks and, and uh, experiments between species and wide open conversations about this. Um, I'm sure you've heard information talking about Hollywood and the cloning centers that are being utilized to uh, reproduce celebrities. And these kinds of things would have been completely off the charts to discuss back then. And even discussing 
the cloning of Dolly in the first book got a lot of reaction when I when I first got that book out there. So imagine where we've gone as a, as a consciousness, a social consciousness uh, in 20 years is remarkable. And I'd like to add that also the first time I ever heard about chemtrails was from the Syrian revelations. And the first thing I ever heard about HARP was the Syrian revelations. And I was bringing all that information out at a time when almost no one had a clue what any what that was about. So in 20 years, we have grown up substantially, and now we're confronted with, okay, now that we know it, uh, how do we bring it down? And this is a part that people have to understand when they read your, your older books about the 96 transmissions, because people read it now, and they think, okay, I know HARP, I know chemtrails, I know this and that, but that was not known by the mainstream back then. It wasn't even known by the alternative back then, really. I mean, it was when those books first came out, I was met with a lot of resistance. And of course, the alternative thinking community was growing and there were people that I'm not suggesting that it was pioneering in absolute, but um, it was quite revolutionary information then and it still is to people who are are just starting to open up their awareness i mean for example in those books the first books the council warned us against vaccination and here we are with this monstrous vaccination crisis taking place on our planet and see, we're seeing what what actually is coming down with that so yeah it's important that people who read those books now understand how revolutionary they were at the time and still are for a lot of people. Now, as I mentioned to you before, I have a lot, a lot of notes and I have a lot of quotes from your book. Let me begin with this one because the part about cloning is really, really important. So you say at the beginning of your book, as you refresh our memories about uh, 96, quote, we all remember the cloning of Dolly, the sheep in 1996. Then we had the successful creation of human hybrid embryos. Now, recently, there was a successful cloning of a, and this is my part, cloning of a monkey. The council revealed to you over 20 years ago that there was experimentation underway in secret laboratories where geneticists were cloning animals, no doubt intent upon a, or already doing the same with humans. We are witness to their frightening truth of just where bioengineering intends to steer the course of humanity. What are we talking about here? The creation of new hybrid animal species with humanized brains. And next, what you say is alarming, Patricia. Worse yet, it is their plan to strip our declining civilization of its intellect in order to entrap human spirit, mind, and soul in animal bodies and have us crawling or walking on all fours. Let's distill this. I've heard of these experiments for decades. Where do you think we are today, Patricia? Is this the plan? Is the plan intellectual devolution? Definitely. Now, this is being conducted in so many ways, starting with the dumbing down of the education structures around the world. I mean, you only have to, to look at core teachings, these absurd, uh, convoluted types of mathematics, I don't even know what to call it. It's just distortion to realize that there, there, there's definitely a plan to dumb down 
I mean, when you tell a child four times three equals 12 and the kid says 12 and the teacher gives him an F for not following the common core <laughs> system to get to that. Oh, you want to go there, huh? I hate common core. Oh, drives me crazy. But it's it's one of the many manifestations of how the population is being dumbed down. It's through the education system. It's through meds. It's through um, vaccination. It's it's through the alteration of the species, just like you've seen hybrid plants created to produce a certain color flower or fruit. So you can see hybrid species being created. And when you talk about human embryos and human DNA being spliced with animals, one can only assume that it's not because they're trying to bring the animals up to the human consciousness, but rather somehow stripping humans of theirs. I mean, if you've got a human being on all fours on the ground, then uh, one would assume that the idea is to bring the human being into a more animal-like state. By the way, when you said about vaccination, incidentally, I was just filling out the new exemption form for our daughter's school. And to my surprise, I couldn't find one. They are deleting a lot of the exemption forms from everywhere. And now the states are creating their own exemption forms without you having the ability to create yours. And folks, you have to really read that because at the bottom, the very fine print, many states have different things. Uh, for example, it says if there's an outbreak, your child, you're authorizing to vaccinate your child if there's an outbreak. Or if there's an outbreak, your child might have to miss school three weeks which means you're probably going to lose maybe a year. So they're making it less and less easy for people with personal beliefs or religious exemptions to be exempted from this. Well, they want to vaccinate your children, and it's coming to being forced very soon. And it is forced in some places. <laughs> school is the excuse at the moment. So if you don't vaccinate, you don't get to go to the school. Then uh, there are medical people that are, if they don't vaccinate, they get fired. And then there will be, if you don't vaccinate, you can't travel. The, the idea is to vaccinate the population. And without being an alarmist, I, I truly believe that this is part of the depopulation program on this planet. No doubt at all. And I think so also that... Is, sorry, Mel, I, I just wanted to add that the question is, for you parents, because it starts with the children, of course, they want the adults too, but they're after the children. What are you going to do? This is a huge issue, a huge issue. And I I worry about, well, I worry about the children, but I, I'm very concerned about parents and how you're going to deal with the fact that they're coming after your children. Not only that, but in the future, Patricia, I can see a future in which if you decide, let's say your school finally says, if you're not vaccinated, you cannot attend school. Well, what do you do? Your nature says, I'm going to homeschool my child. But I think in the future, the nanny state will say, nope, you're not going to allow to homeschool your child. You either vaccinate and put in school or will take over. Well, this is this when you're talking at this point, then you're talking about a Hitler-esque state, which unfortunately is the direction of the one world order, control of the children, control of education to the point that you create a, I mean, let's not get too depressing here, but um, that is where the one world order wants to take everyone, right? 
<laughs> and this is not in your book, but I'm going to say it anyway. I received uh, some news of a transgender person who wrote an article, very, very objective article, where this transgender, well, now, now it's transitioned into a, a woman, says that what you see in the media is an absolute outrageous push. This person is saying, what I'm seeing is not what I want to be. And what she's saying is that there are two industries pushing the transgender agenda, the pharmaceutical industry, because they're always looking at the bottom line. How can we increase our bottom line? Well, these people are going to have to consume pharmaceuticals for the rest of their lives. And number two, the medical industry, because these operations, I'm not sure how much they are. I think it's about sixty dollars to $100,000 each. So those two industries are pushing this really, really hard. Well, there's also the, the fact that um, if you agree that there is an alien influence in government, then I believe that there is a, a desire to confuse the gender identity of the human of the species of humans to make them more amorphous or more uh, androgynous to fit with a more alien perception and an alien biology. I mean, how, how far down the rabbit hole do we want to go here? <laughs> as far and as deep as we as we can. But what justification is there for these experiments? Shouldn't our scientific communities be working to improve the conditions for life on this planet rather than genetically altering them? Well, that would be a nice uh, paradigm to believe in. But unfortunately, the scientific community that's doing this work is is responding to the government. The, the 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 scientific the bio laboratories secret laboratories are gov- government funded the universities and those biological uh, programs are government funded and corporate the military com but what is it the commercial uh, the corporate military complex has its claws in the bio engineering realm. And I, I always remind people, you know, what do you think they're doing in those bio laboratories? People are, are rather naive when it comes to this. I mean, we've got what, 87 or, or something even more bio laboratories underground in the United States alone. What do we think that they're doing in those laboratories? They're weaponizing biology. So they're creating viruses, they're creating uh, bacteria that are weapons grade, and they're experimenting with uh, DNA and the human genome. What the Muckingbird mainstream media, and I'll, I'll be using that term a lot, folks, and if you don't know what I mean, Google Project Muckingbird. What the media tells us is that this is being done in order to, quote-unquote, grow organs, like the movie The Island, on demand. And that's the problem. All of this has a, a double-edged sword. I, I recently read that there is a process with stem cells where you can grow new teeth instead of getting implants. Now, let me play devil's advocate. If we stop science due to the ethical concerns that we all have, this could also limit the possibilities of good outcomes too, don't you think? Well, I'm not suggesting that we stop science, but we certainly need more regulation of science. We need stricter controls to see what exactly they're doing. And, a little, let's say, well, first of all, here's a question. Where do they get these stem cells? <laughs> uh, 
I'm going to have a name for you. Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood, probably from the thesis. Exactly. So we know and have been following the story that Planned Parenthood is supplying aborted fetuses to biolaboratories. Yeah. So are you telling me that you're going to put aborted fetuses into my stem cells of aborted fetuses into my mouth so that I can grow? I mean, obviously, if it's my teeth, it doesn't have to be my stem cells. I don't get this. Yes. In that, in that case, they actually take some of your stem cells in order to grow your own. It has to be your own DNA. Right. Well, so then where are the, the uh, aborted fetuses going? That's a good question. And I'm not even sure they're aborted. I've heard from sources that tell me that some of those babies are taken out alive because the mother who goes there really doesn't care. She's told the baby has been, quote unquote, I hate to even use the term taken care of. But those babies, a lot of times, are taken out alive. And who knows where they are now? Well, that's just too diabolical for words. But we do know, or at least we we believe that well, we understand that vaccines do contain aborted or let's just say fetus cells from fetuses. So um, as far as your comment about do we stop science or not, it's, it's a very, it's an existential question. And my answer is I'm all for science progressing, but we really need regulation and regulation of what is going on, unfortunately, would by nature of the beast come from government. And it's government that's funding these practices. So we've got a problem on planet Earth. Paul, the question is, who is questioning the ethics here and what is the purpose and why we haven't, why haven't we seen any outreach? Well, unfortunately, we've got, you know, we've got government that is paid off by Big Pharma is one of the, the biggest structures on the planet commercially is Big Pharma. I think it's taken over the oil industry. And anyway, even if it hasn't, they, they all work together in clusters, but um, Big Pharma commands, Big Pharma commands the political puppets that are in the seats of power and, and writing uh, bills and legislature. We, we, who's going to regulate them if there are the regulators? You've got FDA, which is full of, I, I believe that the latest I heard, the director of FDA is a Monsanto reject. So we can't depend on government to regulate this problem. And my, my question is, who will? How will we turn this around? And that goes back to, to your concern, which is many people's concern as a parent. It's like, what are you going to do when they say, okay, no more school? No, no more homeschool, no homeschooling. What, what will you do? Are you going to acquiesce and let them shoot your baby up with poison? Anybody who says that, it's almost like allowing their children to play with Russian roulette, period. And, you know, all these politicians, they have one religion and one religion only, and it's called re-election. They have uh, devotion for their God, mean G-O-D, gold, meaning banking, or the O for oil, and D for drugs. Those three industries basically are the ones that keep the political people that we supposedly elect up there. But, you know, Patricia, I see a time in the future, for better or for worse, where the state will dictate not only how many children you can have, wait, they already did that in China, but also if you are worthy of having children, 
Furthermore, I can see how a woman will decide if she wants to continue a normal pregnancy or if she will have the fertilized egg grown in an artificial womb. Was this part of your communication? Is this something that is in the future? Well, the council say that we are, despite the darkness of all of this and the projection of the of the people who want this to unfold in this way, the vibration of the galaxy of the of the universe, sorry, of our solar system is such that these negative imprints and these intentions are are simply not going to be able to hold. It's breaking up not only because of, of an awakening body of human beings, but also because the solar system itself is shifting. And I just actually just had another interview with someone and I was talking about the phenomena that are going occurring on all the planets. The sun is mutating all the time. You, you, you can see pictures of the sun with a hole in it. Have you seen these pictures with the keyhole? I have, I have. I, I mean, you know, know. we, we have a, we always believed that the sun was this glowing mass of plasma. And more and more we're seeing images of the sun that has at any given moment chunks missing. So I understand, and, and these transmissions tell us that uh, actually licks of plasma are actually slipping out of the third dimension into the fourth dimension, and then unable still to hold that frequency that slip back in, which is a very multidimensional idea and a little bit hard for us to perceive, but very exciting. And we have planets shifting. We have the Earth. The question of whether or not the, her the Earth is heating up or not uh, is kind of silly. Of course it is. And then we have, like, you know, artificial weather over New York where we have these blizzards of unbearable freeze. So everybody says, there's no global warming. Look, it's freezing. But it's artificial weather. <laughs> but overall, if anyone's interested, they can get on the web and they can find information about how all the planets are experiencing strange phenomena heating up more light Saturn's rings are mutating there's a the, the Jupiter's uh, hot spot is going berserk and the council say that this is all a manifestation of the process of the sun preparing to move into the fourth dimension I saw videos years ago of people playing with snow trying to burn it and this is years ago and I thought it was a hoax but this is a few days ago. Somebody from the East Coast posted a video. He went outside, grabbed the bowl of, of, of snow, went inside and tried to burn it with a lighter and it would not melt. So who knows what's falling from the sky? But, you know, this is not in your book, Patricia, but the thought came to mind with this talk about genetic engineering. And I know me, this may offend some people who believe the ET greys are extraterrestrial beings. I don't know if they are or they aren't. But well, we know that Germans were working on all of this. The name Joseph Mengele comes to mind. They worked on unethical human experimentation, and many of those scientists made their way here to, via Operation Paperclip. What if the greys, Patricia, that many abductees report having seen are our genetic engineered creation, perhaps a, a human mix with a cat? Just throwing it out there. And they're, you know, they're nothing but biocomputers assigned specific tasks, and, and we have learned to believe they're ET beings operated with 
man-made exotic vehicles. And of course, any advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And those who experienced missing time were perhaps given LSD. I can see the, the hate mail coming from people. Have you thought of this before? Absolutely. I've said this before. <laughs> I hear you about the hate mail because I dared suggest that maybe having massive ayahuasca journeys isn't the best idea on the long term. But <laughs> as far as this goes, this question goes, the question, uh, we continually ask this question, are the grays four-dimensional? Are they three-dimensional? Are they um, projections, holograms? And I don't have an answer for that. I could tell you one thing personally, a personal experience. And that is back when I had my healing center called Lightworks in Rome, I had a woman on the massage table. I was doing psychic healing on her. And in the middle of the healing, I saw in, on her neck that she had gills. And these gills were moving like she was breathing through the gills. And then I saw a huge tube coming out of her of her power chakra and going right up through the ceiling and up to wherever it went. And when I recognized that tube, I said, I demand to know who has placed this tube here. I saw six grays materialize around the table, very threateningly standing around the table while I was commanding that whoever put that tube there, release it. And you know, it's a little bit daunting, I have to tell you, uh, when you're in that psychic mindset, that altered consciousness that, you, that I get into when I'm healing, to suddenly be confronted with six gray aliens standing around the table. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because they materialize in a very holographic way. It was like from the floor up. So I... I'm propense to believe that actually the grays are holographic in nature. And I agree with you completely about abduction scenarios. How hard is it to grab some people in their sleep and take them into some underground base, drug them, and convince them that they're being tampered with by aliens? Exactly. That's exactly my point. Because... What a talk about plausible deniability when you blame it all. First of all, the government does not agree that we are being visited. Anybody who talks about this is crazy, conspiracy theorist. But what a great way. I mean, even Whitley Strieber said that, that he got abducted by people and he was being injected on his neck uh, something. And could it be LSD? Could it be something else that, you know, makes him hallucinate and they think that they're just traveling the cosmos in different dimensions when in fact they're being taken somewhere else and then brought back and nobody then points the finger at the whatever government is doing this. Well, you know, the, the phenomenon of abduction has a commonality where usually, not always, but usually the people are deeply traumatized. So deeply traumatized, worked on like subjects, like insects. And uh, of course the common... Uh, experience of having their eggs or sperm taken and it seems to me like in all of the abduction cases or visitations surely some of them should be also of a more positive nature so are we to understand that all abductions are are threatening and frightening and dangerous 
and um, destructive? No. Because that's what it usually sounds like. And who wants us to believe that? I don't for a minute believe there are only dark ETs out there. Do you? No, I don't believe they're all good. I don't believe they're all bad. Me either. And so, but there have to be in the nature, in my understanding of the nature of physical reality, there has to be the duality of good and exactly good and bad. But let's say the polarity of forces, because that defines the physical reality. So there can't only be despicable ETs that are abducting humans and, and stealing their uh, DNA and sperm and whatever for the most nefarious reasons. Why are there no positive experiences recorded? Now, with another real question that's probably more accepted by mainstream ufology, are there human beings in cages, adults and children alike, being implanted with uh, or actually growing from, you know, stem cells to service Earth colonizing extraterrestrials in that very same way for the purpose of creating hybrid civilization, you know, like uh, Dr. David Jacobs says. So you do want to go all the way down the rabbit hole? As deep as you want. <laughs> all right. Well, the best way I can answer that is as much as this would shock the average person, that the average human being cannot fathom anything that despicable. I would like to ask those people, what do you think we're doing to animals in laboratories? If you were an ET, let's say you were a quote unquote good ET and you were zooming in on human behavior and you were at any makeup company's laboratory watching what was being done to the animals to test makeup, for example. Yeah. The abuse of the animals or having a, an, an animal hooked up to an exhaust pipe of a car until it croaks from breathing the fumes. This is torturous, horrific pain and suffering. And we do it all the time. It's just that we don't have to think about it because we don't see it. But we use the makeup. We use the cars, et cetera, et cetera. All right. Now, why is it hard to believe, therefore, that a species could do that to human beings or that our own species of the darker intent would do that to its own species. I mean, it's so despicable. It's hard for anyone with a soul to imagine it, but really I think if anybody who can't imagine it spent one day in a laboratory to see what they do to these animals, suddenly they'd understand the possibilities of how dark people can be. I'm an animal lover. I am a beagle lover. And I know that that is the most popular species when it comes to experimentation, especially the cigarette industry used to use beagles Ugh. for that regard. So yes. now when I say they, a lot of times throughout this discussion, I mean the council, the people that the, the entities you, you are getting the information from. Here it says, quote, stop creating biological warfare designed to destroy life. Stop abusing the earth. We do not want your clone animals, your chimeras, your alien-human hybrids, humans with their own replicants, organs, tissues, none of it. We want to live in a state of grace, aligned with nature. Anything that interferes with that must come to an end and soon. That is the advice they're giving us. But what are we supposed to do to make it happen? Well, 
wish I had a fixed answer for that question. Um, there's so much we have to do. First, we have to do what's in our power to stop supporting the industries that do these things. Okay. Because as long as you said, I, mean, you, I love your, your explanation for the word God. I never thought of it that way. Gold, oil, drugs. As long as there's a market, as long as people are buying it, these things will continue to happen. So um, it's such a vast problem when you're talking about almost 7 billion people on a planet to think that you can alter human consumption modalities. But we just have to keep plugging away at it. And it starts at home. It starts with what kind of makeup do you use? What kind of products do you use? Are they tested on animals? And that's the first level. It's it, The next level is in find out. Find out. Is there a biological laboratory near you? What are they doing? Bring it out in the open. Support people that are fighting. I, I'm, right now I've got a petition online to um, t- to help me get the Humane Society involved in helping the Huskies in Norway that I found in, in very dis- deplorable conditions, or at least in my opinion, they were deplorable. And I can't even get a thousand signatures. So I've got this community of spiritual people who are uh, talking about how they're, they're committed to the ascension and they're light workers, etc. And yet I've only been able to get 350 people to sign a petition to help these animals. So, Why do you think that is? Uh, a lot of these people do a lot of the talking, but they are armchair researchers, if you will. I think that a lot of people are afraid to put their name to anything because they're afraid of consequence. and Or it's just like, yeah, yeah, there's so many things that people are asking for help for. I can't sign everything. But I do. I sign everything I, I believe in because your signature is a one-minute effort right. to support whoever is putting their proverbial ass on the front line, like me. I'm, I mean, when I get these thousand signatures, I'm then going to the Humane Society. If they don't give me satisfaction, I'm then re- going to start bombarding the Norwegian government. I want answers. I want to let someone know that there are human beings out there that don't accept this. So when people ask me, what can I do? It's like, do something. Do research, change your lifestyle, get involved, whether you're a warrior or whether you're a behind-the-scenes person. Now is the time to decide what is or is not acceptable to you and then do something about it. And we can change. The one person can change the world. I've seen this man who started planting trees in somewhere in Malaysia in this desert. This I devastating. saw that. You see this guy? Yeah. He's completely re- reborn and given rebirth to an entire ecosystem, one tree at a time. One person doing this. One. Imagine if you could multiply that. Exactly. But, you know, people say, oh, it's such a terrible thing. It's, it's, I can't believe what's happened to the ecosystem. But, you know, one person is out there trying to make a change. So when people ask me, what can we do? It's like, get out there and do something that you care about. Do something hands-on. It's interesting. You were talking about makeup a few minutes ago. The makeup industry is is a multi-billion dollar industry, as everybody knows. But it's not under the FDA. It's really not under any kind of uh, oversight. So these companies can put anything they want 
So women are putting plastering their faces with these chemicals, and who knows what they contain. They don't even have to list the chemicals. Not to mention they don't have to say what they do to animals. That's right. So, you know, I mean, there are some, obviously, there are companies that are supposedly biological and, and not using these chemicals or not testing on animals. And <coughs> we uh, need to be in a perennial uh, investigative, investig- is this such a word as investigative? Investigative. <laughs> investigative. There's the word, investigative <laughs> process about what we're doing, what we're taking into our bodies, and what we are allowing in our microcosm of, of consumerism, right? Absolutely. And, you know, since we're talking about animals, I've always wondered about cetaceans, mammals in our ocean. The council says, quote, as primary guardians of Gaia, an honor you share with the great whales and the dolphin beings who are doing everything within their power to hold the harmonics of your uh, oceans in balance. So whales and dolphins dolphins have a purpose to uh, take care of our planet in that way, Patricia? Well, this is very important. Thank you for bringing this up. The Syrian High Council have described how whales and dolphins actually sit on the council, ascended cetaceans. And of course, people say, yeah, right. You've got dolphins sitting around a table because they, they perceive the Syrian via, uh, council as being physical beings, right. but they're not. They're, they're light beings. And so you've got the energies of the essence of these beings on the on the council in that vibratory frequency. And they speak to me also. In fact, I have the book where, where uh, before we leave you, messages from the great whales and dolphins brought forward messages from the cetaceans, both ascended and earthbound uh, cetaceans that I'm allowed to communicate with. And they describe how their role here is not by accident, they are particularly the whales, particularly, but not limited to the humpback whales, are weaving frequencies in the oceans. And the oceans, the water of Gaia, are the emotional body of Gaia. So Gaia, obviously, is a spiritual, our Earth is a spiritual being. And the water of the Earth is its emotional body, just like our the waters of our body correspond to the emotional body for anyone who, who is involved in metaphysical metaphysics, <laughs> excuse me. And that their their, their role is to keep the musical frequencies of the ocean to a certain vibratory pace to hold the emotional body of earth together. So here come the naval bombardments and sonic blasts that are driving the whales and dolphins to death, that are blowing their heads open. I mean, we're finding whales and dolphins all the time with their oral cavities completely blown apart and just bleeding to death from from the head because the sonar is so overwhelming, it just blasts their brains apart. Are they doing this on purpose or is this just they're innocent bystanders and they're using technology for something else? Well, according to the council, they're doing it on purpose because... Uh, they do not want that vibration. The, 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 the one world order structure, the secret government that is trying to hold control of this planet, does not want the planet to evolve. 
Because if it does, it loses control. It doesn't want the human race to evolve. It doesn't want us to have contact with the species on this planet that are of higher consciousness. And it's all about suppressing education. Look, music is gone from schools. Art is gone from schools. Dance. And they're trying to get rid of sports, too, only it still leads to money. Music is gone from our airwaves. If you call what we see here today of this, uh, you know, fake, auto-tuned, same template music, when these kids listen to the real music in the past, they just cannot understand it because it's not perfect. And that's what music used to be. Wow. I'm a little bit out of touch with the youth, so that doesn't, I just can't believe it. But when I hear it, nah, 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 I want to scream. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area with, you know, the music of the 70s, which was the best pop music you'll ever hear. Yeah. And rock and uh, beautiful music with beautiful messages and real instruments and real voices. And uh, we, we, we need that humanity back. We need that aspect of our humanity and our talent and our innate gifts Just like language, we I'm seeing language being destroyed. Whether or not it's the lack of anyone understanding grammar anymore, uh, it's getting to be the occasion to see a word that's any more than two syllables. It's orchestrated. That's why we have things like Twitter, that's where right. you can only, what, what is this? I don't even know. I don't use Twitter that much, but 16 words, I think. So everybody's using these abbreviations, a pretty... Might as well just learn Morse code because a lot of times I read and I cannot understand some of the things they're saying. Not to mention the lack of grammar, the lack of spelling. I'm thinking. No, the lack of grammar just drives me out of my mind. <laughs> the, movie, not, the movie Idiocracy. You remember that movie Idiocracy? No. It's a, it was a comedy many years ago, but I think it was a documentary if you see it now. The way that English is being spoken, it's so sad. It really is because language communicates intellect and culture. And when it's becoming, first of all, completely the spelling, the complete lack of grammar, the complete lack of, of artistry through the spoken word, and we are being taken down to grunting. I mean, I don't understand a lot of the abbreviations, like you said, So sometimes I will react in, the, in, an inter, in an email and somebody will say, why are you yelling at me? Yeah. Why are you reacting like that? I'm like, what are you saying? It's because you type a word in capital letters, all of a sudden you're offending somebody because you're yelling. Yeah, because accidentally you've got the key on, on the <laughs> locked on capital. And it start, you know, I actually had a friend, a person who said, I'm not speaking to you anymore. You're an omnipotent uh, blah, blah, blah. And don't yell at me. I'm I'm unfriending you. And I just laugh to death. What about this hyper hypersensitivity that so many people have today that anything you say offends them? I think that a lot of this is orchestrated because if you look at the time of this ridiculous excuse for a uh, an election in the states and the hats, the pussy hats and all of this behavior, people were being driven into hysterical behavior. And this community of political correctness has, has created such a monster that 
everybody's offended about something, especially in the U.S. It's like, where did the sense of humor go? Are you there? I'm here. Yeah. When did we lose our sense of humor? I heard a comedian say, you can't even tell a joke anymore because humor relies on some caricature to be able to tell a joke like these two gay guys went into a bar. He said, you, you can't say that now without offending someone. And, and you know, he, he said, you, you can't tell a joke without being free to use a little bit of caricature. And I, I agree with that. But it's every word. Every word you use is being parsed. You can't use the word mankind anymore. It has to be people kind. In schools, now they cannot say boys and girls. You have to say students or scholars. It's just becoming so ridiculous. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm doing here. Well, one thing's for sure. There's a definite, absolutely definite intent to confuse children's gender identification. And, you know, since we are talking rabbit hole, I'd like to say that anything that has to do with children, gender and sexuality has a lot to do with pedophiles. So any I, I, I abhor this issue that children can't be called boys and girls anymore. And I think it's worth, it's time for a reality check on that level. But I think those agendas are being pushed by the pedophile community. Well, you know, they're is, trying to legalize the age of consent sexual yes. to 12, right? Yeah. And we want to call it inter intergenerational sex instead of pedophilism. <sighs> and the thing is that we've got pedophiles rampant through the government in the entertainment industry. They're the ones that are writing the legislation. I'll tell you what. Incredible. Well, if I had children, and I mean, this is a big statement, but if I had children, I would get as far away from urban life as possible with my kids. Well, as it is, I'm living in the middle of the ocean <laughs> on an island <laughs> in the Atlantic Ocean because I did want, I did feel that the time had come for me to pull back from urban living. And I'm very happy doing that. I'm, I'm really, really happy being in an underpopulated environment that is not so crazy. In fact, here where I live, it's like living in 1970. It's a very simple life. There aren't all these complexities of a society going berserk. Now they say, and again, folks, when I say they, I mean the council. They say of all the planets, moons, and configurations bearing life in your solar system, we are focused primarily upon you, Homo sapiens, reawakening. Now, let's dissect this, Patricia. Does this mean there is life in our solar system? And if so, why are they primarily focused on us? Are we that special or are we the most problematic? Oh, that's a really good question. I think we're a little bit of both because... In the earlier material, the council described the Syrian experiment. And this is very interesting because they were using splicing of DNA to create Homo sapiens. So according to them and other uh, waves of thought, the Homo sapiens didn't just evolve on this planet. It was seeded. And the Syrians say they were involved in that seeding and they uh, spliced the DNA of many evolved three-dimensional ET races 
and also brought in higher dimensional DNA to create a 12-stranded being called Homo sapiens. And they say that we were created as 12-stranded Christ beings and seated in Atlantis as Homo sapiens. And so that's why they're connected with us, because they were involved in that. And they say that was a mistake we would never do again, because we hooked ourselves karmically to your evolution. And that's one of the reasons why we're so concerned about it now. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Now, okay. this name, who is, am I saying this right, Tridia of Antares? They refer to me as Trigia. Oh, Trigia. So that's supposed to be you. Yeah. Okay, Trigia. Now, Trigia says, and that's you, that she's from Cetace, better known to us as Sirius B from the midway of the sixth dimension. But I thought the Sirius star system was in our third dimension. I'm, I'm basing my question, of course, in established Earth physics dogma. Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. The Syrians say that they... The Syrian star system is a three-star system. It's a multi-dimensional stellar family. Sirius A is still in the third dimension, and that's the blue star that we see that is the brightest star on the horizon. It's the one that we see at the bottom of the belt of Orion. Okay. Sirius B ascended, as our sun is about to do, to the sixth dimension. Sirius C is Anu. It's in the fourth dimension, and from Anu come the Anunnaki. Okay? So what's very interesting about being told this, which, of course, a lot of it sounds really way out there, but you probably have heard that the Dogon tribes of Africa... Yes, discovered Series B before anyone else. Exactly. It was, what, 70 years ago they described how these beings, whom they called the Nomo, stepped out of a craft threw out a lake in front of them, and out of the lake came these creatures that were half fish, half man. And they described to explorers or scientists where they were from. They were from Series B, which had already ascended. And they described Series C, which still had not been discovered. Neither, neither one had been discovered, but now they both have been. And science describes them as dwarf stars that burned out or that went through supernova. But the council say they, they didn't. There is no such thing really as supernova. It's just that the star leaves the third dimension and goes to the to the next dimension because nothing. And this is an important aspect of the new Syrian revelations, our being made to understand how things really galactic hyperphysics uh, that nothing dies is not new to the metaphysician. But when you think about it in stellar terms, it's, it's quite exciting. There's not going to be the death of a star. There's going to be the transformation of a star because the macrocosm is the microcosm. And we know that we don't die. We transform, right? So when we hear of a star imploding or going supernova, it's actually transitioning or ascending into a different dimension? Yes. If that's the case, then if our sun is doing the same thing, we are in the third dimension. What dimension is the sun going to? Fourth dimension? And if that's the case, what happens to us since we depend on the sun for survival? 
everyone, every living being. Well, the book, the new book talks at length about the fourth dimension. And, you know, there are a lot of people in spiritual communities who, who for some reason have just completely bypassed the fourth dimension. And there's all this talk about ascending to the fifth dimension. And the council say, well, well, wait a minute. What happened to the fourth dimension? Hello. Why are you bypassing that? So, yeah, there are people that say, well, you don't want to talk about the fourth dimension because there are archons and evil beings and all this nonsense. And the truth is, my understanding of the truth is that the next phase for us is four-dimensional awareness. And that means it's pretty complicated to try to explain here, but uh, not not just that the, we're going to careen through space and go through a hole and be in another place, but rather that the the energy fields of the the material beings that are the sun, planets, humans, plants, trees, etc., is shifting to a more refined state, and that more refined state is the fourth dimension. So whereas we perceive it as being a place we go, after the council is saying it's a state we achieve. And this is a big mind shift for people to understand. Throughout the book, you talk about Nibiru. So is the spelling Nibiru, N-E-B-I-R-U, and not Nibiru, N-I-B-I-R-U? I think most every other source of information about it spells it N-I-B. I are you, but the council spell it with an E. Right. You are them saying Nibiru, and it says that it was expelled from our celestial transition and left to roam dark space. I have one question about this. To my knowledge, our sun is what gives us life, what I just said a few seconds ago. Without our sun, there wouldn't be any life in our solar system. And again, this is based on what we've been taught. So how can Nibiru harbor life and be in an elongated orbit without hardly any effect from our sun. Um, according to the council, the Nibiruan civilization is inside the planet. And that may also sound pretty far out, but consider that even on our planet, we have civilization underground. There are, even if you're not talking about a garden, which it, which I believe is, is it, I don't believe in the flat eight earth theory. I do believe in the spheral uh, concept of this planet. And I adhere to the idea of an agarden civilization in the middle of the planet. Like inner earth. In the inner earth, yes. But even if you don't, you surely have to accept the reality that there are entire cities, there are civilizations uh, just below the surface. One only needs to go to uh, Montreal, for example, There's an entire city underground. I'll never forget, I was there just before the, the really rough winter came. And I, I found out that most buildings have entrances into the underground. So there's the metropolitan, there's the metro. There are hotels, restaurants, bowling alleys, swimming pools, entire communities underground. So that people never really have to come up into the freezing snow covered winter. They just go through the metro and up into these various buildings, which is really interesting. So we don't think about that, but we do have everywhere. Every capital city has an underground, whether it's 
owned by the government and the elite or whether the uh, plebeians are allowed access to it. These cities exist. There's no sun there, right? Well, that's true. But imagine if Montreal is so cold in the winter. Imagine if you take the sun away. The uh, the coldness would be, you cannot even measure it. So this planet that goes billions or billions of miles away from the sun, even if they live underground, the cold would be almost frozen solid. At least this is what uh, conventional wisdom tells me. Well, that's descriptive of an outer surface situation. That's not to say that a planet is, is not capable of retaining heat inside. If it has a core. If it has a core. But regardless, what the castles say, and even Sitchin said this. Sitchin told us that Nibiru moves in and out of the uh, orbit and goes back out into cold space. Never helping us understand where it went to or from. And the council said what happened was when Anu uh, moved into the next dimension, the fourth dimension, Nibiru was a planet that revolved around or orbited the star and it got expelled from the process of ascension and was pulled back into the uh, the gravitational field of the Syrian star that is in the third dimension. But it, it was moving so fast. It was such a, a huge celestial um, activity. Well, that's not the word I want. A celestial phenomenon that it ricocheted away from the star and started heading toward our star, the nearest star, and got caught in a gravitational um ellipsis between the two stars and what's very interesting is that now NASA after that book came out NASA said almost identical those same identical words we know now that it's possible that a planet can be ejected from a star's uh, they referred to it as a supernova and uh, uh be afloat in space without its own star around which it revolves. We call these roaming planets. Well, I discussed this with Zachariah Sitchin before he passed away, that in 1983, while I was in high school, the science teacher just brought the newspaper and, you know, showed us that NASA has found this planet and the only thing left was to name it. All of a sudden, the news disappeared after that. And we never heard about him. I asked him, Zechariah, why do you think we never heard of it again? And he asked, he told me, well, why don't you ask them? They probably tell you that they cannot explain it or they're hiding the information. But we have to take our one and only break, folks. I have about 25 pages of notes. I've discussed about 10 of them. And we have 15 more. So imagine, folks, we just scratched the tip of the iceberg. A lot, a lot of information coming from this new revelation from the Syrians. How can people buy the book, uh, Patricia? How can people buy the book and all your other books? Well, they're available everywhere. So you can get them on, of course, Amazon and Barnes and Nobles, or you can get them directly from the publisher, which is nabbooks.com. And even better, you can go to your bookstore, and if they don't have them on on hand, all of the bookstores can order them because they have distribution globally. 
And that's the way you keep your local local bookstores alive. That's another. It really is important to keep your local bookstores alive. Yes, because that's another species in extinction. Folks, don't go anywhere. A lot more when we come back with Patricia Corey. This is Mel Fabregas, and you are listening to Veritas. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this very important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the members section or subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for MMS, hemp oil, pure organic sulfur, and other great products. Thank you.